0: Welcome back, everyone, to another segment of Rabbi Jeff's Pirkei Abashir, where we attempt to understand the meaning behind the instructions of our sages and how it's relevant to our lives today. We do this, of course, using the thoughts of our teachers before us and try to make them applicable to our times. Feel free, please, to contact me with any comments or questions at rjfromlj at aol.com. Okay, beautiful. Good morning, everybody. Um, today's Mishnah is the third. It's the third shot on um, perak Bay's Mishnah Dalad, chapter two, Mishnah four. And as you'll see today, there are um, <clears throat> very important, very important things to deal with. Not repetitions of uh, of things that we've said. There's still pieces of the Mishnah that need to be understood. I'm um, sort of under a microscope. It's interesting if you're using an art scroll. Um, in some versions, this is. Uh, The second half of the Mishnah is split into two. So it's Mishnah 4 and then Mishnah 5. And that's going to start to throw off the rest of the chapter. It's going to start to throw off the numbers. But I'll I'll constantly, you know, announce which ones it is. Okay. So we learned, yesterday we discussed, um, make God's will like your will. We spoke about that in, in two different ways. We spoke about it in yesterday's terms. Um, in terms of doing the will of Hashem, because we know that that's the best thing for us. Um, then we spoke about um, of not separating from a tzibur, and understanding that 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 doesn't mean not to be an individual, that we have every obligation to be an individual, but our individuality has to come within the context of the community, not separate from it. And today, I want to, I want to start dealing with the next piece of the Mishnah, that says, don't trust in yourself until the day you die. And what exactly is that, is that obligation? What's that teaching us? That a person shouldn't trust themselves the day that, until the day they die. And we spoke about how there was a Kohen Gadol Godel who was served for 80 years as a Kohen Gadol, Godel, and then at the very end of his life, he became an apostate. It's always a possible for a person um, to change, to lose the, the footing. It's always possible for a person who's made tremendous spiritual gains to lose those spiritual gains. A person who's made tremendous emotional strides in their life. say so a person who was an angry person and spent their entire life working on, on anger management and working on their, on, on, their, on their feelings, working on their reactions to things. Um, not, not only working on their not getting angry, but working on their, on their not seeing things in a way that would anger them. And, you know, they think that they've really walked past their anger. You've never walked past it. It's always it's always going to be there, and you always have to be vigilant. A person who's had any kind of any any kind of addiction, or any kind of um, even even milder things, but predis- their predilection to things, the, the, even, as much work as you do on yourself, and as much as you think that you've gone past it, a person can always fall backwards. And the mission is just reminding us that you have to live a vigilant life. You have to you have to constantly be aware of your surroundings, aware of the situation, aware of where you are. And of who you are, so that you're constantly maintaining uh, a balance and maintaining a, 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 a care and a concern and protection of yourself. There is um, there is an, a, an amazing thing that we know that um, Yom Kippur afternoon. If you look at Krias HaTorah, Yom Kippur afternoon. So what do we lay on Yom Kippur afternoon? We lay in what's called the Pasha of Arayos, the Parsha that deals with prohibited marriages. And in that pasha, it says that a, that a person is not allowed to sleep with their parent, not allowed to sleep with their sibling. Now, if I had to pick a time of year where I thought that you needed to hear that message, Yom Kippur afternoon would probably be the last least time of year that I would think that you would need to hear that. Yom Kippur afternoon, we're talking about late in the afternoon. We're talking about that you've spent almost 20 hours 22 hours fasting you're holding on such a high madrega you're holding in the holiest of places you're in shul your your head is in shul your whole being is there standing in front of hashem you are soon going to going to announce to the world with all of your kishkas hashem hu and just moments before that God, we choose a Kriya we choose something that's going to inspire you, that's going to lift you up and send you out to the rest of the year. You would imagine that you would read portions of Devarim, portions of Deuteronomy, which are, which are you know, the, Musar giving us the strength and the encouragement to get into the year and to, and to be strong and to be good tova yashar, do what's good and what's fairly you imagine some really encouraging enthusiastic words those would be the words that we'd be told instead we're told don't have relations with your mother don't have relations with your sister really so I think what, what Chazal are telling us what the rabbis are telling us by instituting this Kriyasa Torah on Yub afternoon is that you know there was, there was an amazing thing we know that a Kohen Gadol is only allowed to marry a basula, is only allowed to marry a virgin. One of the explanations of why he's only allowed to marry a virgin is because since he has access to the Kodesh Kaddoshan, so the Holy of Holies, we're worried that when he goes into the Holy of Holies, if he has his eyes on a married woman, so he's going to pray for the death of her husband in the Holy of Holies, because he's praying in such a place, his prayer is potent, and therefore we're worried that he is going to ask for his death So that he can marry this woman So as never to put him in that kind of situation He's only allowed to marry a basur Now, I, I, I can't see everybody's eyes But they have to be rolling When you hear something like that It's like, really? You're talking about when does he have access To the Holy of Holies? Yom Kippur So here you're talking about on Yom Kippur He's standing, there isn't another angel In the Holy of Holies The only thing in the Holy of Holies at that moment is Him and the Shechimah we're talking about like, you know, God in the, in, the, in, the, in the general sense. We're talking about the divine presence and he's standing there in holy all the of And we're worried that this guy's going to go, God, please bring world peace. Please, please bring peace to the Jewish people. Bring sustenance to the Jewish people. And you know, Mrs. Goldberg, not bad. Maybe you can knock off her husband. Re- really? That's We're, we're, oh geez, we're worried that's going to happen. What the rabbis are telling us is, is that for a human being to fall off his perch, for a human being to fall off of all of the achievements that he has accomplished in his lifetime, we are human beings. We have Bechira, we have free choice. And therefore, we have control, self-control issues. And therefore, Do not give up your vigilance of who you are and who you become until the day you die. Because you need to protect We need to protect ourselves We need to be vigilant and careful In every single situation A kayangadol on Yom Kippur Has to be careful A yid on Yom Kippur is standing in the holiest of places He doesn't need to be reminded Not to have relations with his mother But he needs to be reminded That he is capable of doing that He's incapable of falling Into the lowest of abysses And therefore, he needs to be vigilant when he steps out into the world, when he walks out of the Holy of Holies, when he walks back into the world after after Yom Kippur, ultimately after Sukkot, when he steps back into the world, he needs to remain vigilant because you can drop down to the bottom. And therefore, the reminder, Chazal, in the starkest of, of ways, in the most dramatic of ways, Chazal are telling us to be mindful, be watchful, be careful. So the question, of course, is, is that how do you hold on until the end? How do you make it that every single day you are, in fact, Azaris, you're, in fact, careful and watchful, you're mindful of who you are, that you're, that you're protective of yourself and protective of all the achievements that you've made? How do you, how do you see yourself that way? At some point you say, I, I, I passed the goal line. I'm, I'm done. I've, I, you know, I've, I've accomplished my goals. I'm, I'm, I'm there. How do you recognize? How do you how do you deal with that? That's not it's not true. The goal line is only at the moment that you leave this world. That's the moment that it's all over. And until then, until then, there's still a necessity to hold on and to be careful. So I'll tell you an amazing thing that has to do with Sfiras Omer. That we ask everybody asks the question and everybody gives different answers of why we count the way that we count. You would think that if we're counting to the day of the giving of the Torah, we would count, you know, there's 49 days left, there's 48 days left, there's 47 days left. Why are we counting up? Today is one day, today is two days, today is three days, today is seven days, and one week and one day. Why why are we counting in that direction, counting up towards the moment, as opposed to counting down that, you know, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. Why are we counting that way? When Yaakov Avinu came into his father-in-law's house, he goes to his father-in-law after he had already seen Rachel and he knew that he wanted to marry Rachel, and he says to his father-in-law, "I will work for you for seven years for Rachel." There are two problems. The first problem is the Torah tells us that it was like yomim achadim; it was like he was working for one day, one yomim achadim. It went very fast. Now, never does time go fast when you're expecting a goal. Words, when, when you know that in three weeks time, I'm going to be able to do X and it's a big deal. So then those three weeks schlep. Those three weeks take a very, very long time. When you have, you know, you know you're going on a vacation a certain time. You go, somebody's getting married. There's a simcha in the family. So to get to that day, it's like schleppy. It takes such a long time. Time seems to go slow. Yaakov Avinu wants to marry his beloved. He's working over for seven years and it's Yomim Achadim? That's the opposite of Tev. It's the opposite of the nature of a human being. Why does the Torah tell us that it went Kiyomim Achadim, that it went like one day? That's problem number one. The second problem with that is, is that, you know, when you're bargaining, you start low and you end off somewhere in the middle. You know, the, the one side starts high, the other side starts low, and then you end up somewhere in between the two. You don't walk in and offer top dollar. Jacob walks in, he's negotiating for a new bride, and, you know, I would have started low, you know, two camels, three horses, and a blanket, right? And instead, he says, i give you seven years of hard labor. For, for, like, why, why are you offering that kind of money? Why are you offering that kind of price for Rachel, even though she might be very valuable, but, but going right to the top? And then, you know, of course, his offer is going to be accepted because that was way out of the, way out of what would have been expected. Why did Yaakov Avinu start his negotiations that way? So I'll tell you a very, very amazing thing. That if you look at the end of Yaakov's tenure with his father-in-law, he knew that it was time for him to leave. He goes to his two wives, sisters, son, the daughters of Lavan, and he wants to tell them that we're leaving daddy's house. Now, he imagined that he was going to get a lot of pushback because he's telling them that they're leaving the comfort of their home, which they never left before. They were married, it's already, it's already, you know, over 20 years, and now he's telling them that they're going to leave. He tells them, he starts to build it up a little bit, starts to pad it, and basically what they say to him is, is what took you so long? Our father only sees us as cash. He sees us, you know, as cash cows. We are. We are his means of a livelihood. He used us. We don't want to be here anymore. We want out. Yaakov Avinu understood the relationship between Rachel and her father and understood that her father saw her as the kind of price that he would be able to fetch by marrying her off. He saw her only in terms of her monetary value. And Yaakov Avinu understood that Rachel must have seen herself in a very, very low way. She must have had no sense of self, no sense of esteem. Yaakov Avinu walked in and he said, I'll give you seven years for Rachel. And with those words, he sent a message to Rachel, you are valuable. And every single day that Yaakov Avinu worked for Rachel Imenu, she got the message I'm pouring my, my whole self into this work today, tomorrow, the next day because of you and because of your value. And in that way, over seven years, he built Rachel Imenu up to recognize that she was someone of quality who had a mission and had a task and had something to accomplish. And that Yaakov Avinu knew that every day he was working, he was building up the mother of Claulusal. And that's why it went kiyomim achadim. It went like one day. Because Yaakov Avinu was not working for seven years. He was working each day. Every day was its own value. Every day was its own purpose. Every day was its own importance. Today I'm telling Rachel Menu she's amazing. Tomorrow I'm telling Rachel Menu she's amazing. And when every single day is important, kiyomim achadim. It goes like a snap. That's why Time flies when you're having fun. Because when you feel that it's accomplished, you feel like you're doing something, time flies. It goes, achadim, because every moment, every second becomes valuable. And that was the message that Yaakov Avinu was sending to Rachel Imenu, and that's why it went, Yomim achadim. that's why we count Sphirah the way we do. We count today as one day, today as two days, today as three days, today is not three days to getting to Mount Sinai. It's not two days to getting to Mount Sinai. Today is its own day that I need to perfect and work on, that I need to look at myself today. And I need to look at who I am and what I am and what I can make better, what I can improve, what I can strengthen. Today, I have to do that. Tomorrow, I have to do it. The next day, I have to do it. Each day is its own self-contained goal. This is the day that I want to look and assess myself and I want to raise myself and make myself into a better person. That's how time flies. That's how we hold on to time. And we recognize that every single day has a value. That's how we make it that Al-Tamin Ba'atzmachah Ad Yom moscha. That we don't rely, we don 't think that we've reached the end, because we look at every day as being valuable, and therefore I recognize that today today is not yesterday, today has its own challenges, and therefore I need to be vigilant. Today has its own <coughs> its own struggles, and therefore I need to be vigilant. If each day that I wake up, I recognize it's got its own aveda and you know as I was asked you know last week, two weeks ago. That what happens when you get older, it doesn't change the fact that today has an Avaida. could very well be, though, that today's Avaida is going to take all day long. But it's still today's Avaida. Could have been when I was younger, I could have done 10 things in one day. Today, I can only do one thing in a day. And maybe in, from the outside, it looks like it's a very small and significant thing, but nothing is insignificant. Every single day has a value. And when every day has a value, I recognize that I still need, to, I'm breathing, I'm living. I'm moving, therefore, I still need to be watchful and careful and not believe that I have finished my job. I have not finished my job until my job is done. And my job isn't done as long as I am still breathing. That's, that's the message of the Mitzvah, of the Mishnah, excuse me. Don't believe in yourself until the day you die because you have not finished shaping yourself yet. And every single day is part of that building and shaping of who you are. Okay, let's take a look at the next piece. al Do not judge another person. Rabbi, yes. Rabbi, sorry, can I add something very, very small? On sure. top of everything you said? he's worked seven years plus another seven years more for Rechel. Correct. Correct. But the first seven years is what I think the Torah defines as kiyomim achadem. Those were those were okay. like were like one day. All right. Now, the the it? The, 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 um, Don't judge another person until you reach their place. What's the Mishnah saying? Give the benefit of the doubt. No, not not totally. I think what it's telling is this. It's really saying al tadin as the other part of it is, is secondary. Stop judging people. Because you only can judge them when you're in their place, and that's not going to happen. See, if you're a, a man, there's no way for you to judge a woman because there is no way for you to understand who she is and what she is. You can understand from some, some outside place, but you can't really understand because you don't think that way. And the same is true for a woman to a man. You know, somebody once said to me, that kidney stones is something like childbirth. Yeah, so I I couldn't tell you because I've never given birth to a child. I can't describe that pain. I know what words are used. I know what my wife said about it, but I can't describe it because I've never experienced it. And if I've never experienced it, no matter how empathetic I am, no matter how educated I am, and no matter how much I've listened to you, I cannot understand it from your place because I'm not in your place. You know, we heard from a Holocaust survivor um, who was talking about Yom HaShoah. Right before Yom HaShoah, she was talking to us. And, and she said, she was talking about the whole bidud thing and the whole, you know, being alone. And she was talking about how traumatic it was for her. Traumatic. She said, because it brought her back to the ghetto and it brought her back to the concentration camp of hiding out and of worrying who you're coming into contact with and worrying what you're going to, what's going to happen if you come into contact with people. She said it was a, an incredibly traumatic experience. I, I don't know what that is. I've never experienced that trauma. I, I, I don't, I, I wouldn't even know, wouldn't even understand. She could explain it to me and I could get it and I could certainly be empathetic. I can on some intellectual place understand that, but I can't understand that in my deepest of places because I've never been there. I'm I'm not about Truvo. I was I was brought up religious. I wasn't brought up in the yeshiva system, but I was brought up religious. As much as I can understand what it's like for a person in the middle of their lives to become religious, I can't fully appreciate that because I've never experienced that. I've never I've I've improved, I've gotten better, I've gotten stronger. I've learned how to learn better. I've gone from being weak to being strong. I've, I've, I've changed. I've done things, but I haven't experienced that. And therefore, how could I judge someone? Because you will never get to their place. You will never be standing where they're standing. You know, we say, In a place that the Balichuva stand, even righteous people can't stand what do I mean that even a righteous person who's never tasted the tam issa person been brought up in you know, a from family been brought up their entire lives All, the only thing they you know is Mitzvahs. and they, they they excelled in it they did well they never rebelled you know good good kids became good adults had good kids like everything is everything is great so what do you mean that that about chuvah is in a better place about chuvah's done his has done prohibitions done thing is in a better place it's not a better or worse place it's in a different place, and that a, a person who has not experienced that could never understand it. And I think that that's that. What the Mishnah is telling us, taken in a vacuum, and it's taken taken out of the context of the larger Mishnah, but the statement of the Mishnah on its own is, is that you cannot judge other people because you have no idea what's really going on in their lives. Look, you know how many how many YouTube videos they send around of, you know, somebody who, who screams at a, a checkout girl, right? And, you know, lets her have it because she was inefficient or she did something wrong. She packed the bags wrong. She put the frozen stuff with the non-frozen stuff. God forbid, right? And they let her have it. And then, and then somebody says, uh, you know, her mother just died. Duh! You know, and, and the whole world falls apart because you realize, wait a second, I can't judge you. I have no idea what's going on with you. And I can't, ex- I can't understand what you're experiencing. That's what the Mishnah is telling us. Okay. The next thing. So we spoke about that that was talking about don't don't say things that you think will never be heard because in the end they're going to be heard. And we, we spoke about control. I think it was a very beautiful idea that you, you, know, you think that you can control other people and that's why um, you, you're, you're not afraid to tell them secrets because you think that you have it over them and therefore they would never tell it. Yeah, that's one, one Mahalach, one way of looking at it but the other way of looking at it is is that don't be unclear and, and leave the onus on other people to figure out what you're saying you need to be clear but to the, it's, not, it's not just a Bin adam Lechavero thing it's not just telling us that you need to be clear so that other people don't have to struggle with your words but you need to be clear so that you're clear what's, what's the proof of clarity? that when you say something, people understand what you're talking about. You know, a lot of times you'll hear teachers talk and, and afterwards you go, wow. And you assume that the reason why you didn't understand a word that they were talking about is because they're so lofty and they're so educated that they're just light years beyond you. Sometimes it's actually because they had no idea what they were talking about. And they just had a great way of putting it. And, and they were able to use really big, what we used to call in my family, um, crossword puzzle um, words, right? We used to call them Sunday Times words because in the Sunday Times, you had the, you had the big crossword puzzle and, and there was these big, fancy words. So they were able to use, you know, they had a good vocabulary, but, but they weren't really saying anything that actually made any sense. And the, but, but a lot of times we get very impressed by that. So what the mission is saying is is that don't leave it up to people to understand because that's not a function of your wisdom. A function of your wisdom is, is that you are smart enough to be able to take the loftiest concepts and to make them sound so simple. That's a true chacham. You know, you think about it yourself when you've heard people talk and, and you, you praise them. One of the praises that you give to a wise, a wise person, a wise teacher, is that they can take complicated things and they can make it sound so pedestrian, so so common. They can make it sound so understandable. That's a symbol. That's a sign of godless of greatness. And that's what the mission is saying. The mission is saying, "Al tomer shama, shama." Don't say things that. You know, you think are so complicated that people will figure it out. Uh Uh-uh, be clear. But it's talking to us. We need to be clear so that when we say things, they will be understood. But it's not so that we will say things. Now, it's okay, fine. If people don't understand, whatever. You know, sometimes people just don't understand. But there can't be a function of you. Let it be a function of them, of their lack of understanding. But you have to work as hard as you can to clarify things in your mind so that your job in this world, your task in this world, your what you need to accomplish, your mission, that that is something that's clear to you. Okay, and then the last piece of the Mishnah is you know, things that that, that we need to live by. Al Eshna So there are so many different ways of say is carpe diem, Right, you know, grab the moment. It is, You know, don't don't live in mananaville, right? Everything is mananas. Tomorrow, yeah, you know, it'll get done. Today is the tomorrow that you are pushing off to yesterday. Don't say that I'll get to it, because you'll never get to it. And that is maybe one of the most important pieces of advice that are being given in this Mishnah. It's not talking about a thing we do. It is talking about a characteristic that we have. And it's telling us that this characteristic of not feeling the need to do what needs to be done now and to push it off, which is a need, it's a characteristic, that characteristic has to be banished from us. And how do we have to banish it? Today. Because tomorrow we'll never get to it. Okay. That's the Mishnah. That's um, my thought for the day. And tomorrow we will get started on the next Mishnah which is um, a boor, a boorish, empty person can never become a fearer of sin. An amaretz, an ignoramus, can never become a chassid. A baishon, an embarrassed person, a bashful person will never learn. An angry person can never teach a person who is working too hard can never become wise and where there are no people you have to try to be a person okay tomorrow's wednesday so i can i can i can tell you like this not promising but i'm i'm pretty much guaranteeing this mission is going to take me l- much longer than one shot because again you have to deal with the mission on a composite and then you have to deal with each piece of this mission each piece of this mission is its own world so we'll get stuck into it tomorrow okay thank you very much Everybody should have a beautiful day. Stay cool. Thank you. Have a good day. Have Have a a wonderful, wonderful day.